0: I would invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verses 7 through 17. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come now to hear and to think about your word, uh, we realize that um, each of us are coming with different burdens on our hearts, uh, different um, troubles that uh, are weighing upon us sadness um, doubts uh, difficulties in our lives and we we want to pray for each one of us here not only dealing with those things in our own hearts but uh, our brothers and, and sisters who are dealing with those things as they come to hear your word Lord we, we lift up uh, Carrie Jo and her family um, Mourning the loss of of Carido's mother, and they have a, a heavy week ahead of them with the services this coming weekend. And many people traveling, Father, we pray that you would just comfort them and be with them throughout this week. Others, Lord, who are dealing with some hard things in, in, in their lives too, we pray that you would comfort them and that you would help us as we come to your word together, trusting and believing that as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall your word be that goes out from your mouth. It shall not return to you empty. It shall accomplish what you have sent it forth to accomplish. It shall succeed in that thing for which you sent it. So We trust that as we spend time in your word this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, it is clear that Jonah and these sailors are in the middle of a dangerous situation, and it's also clear they are completely helpless. If they're going to be saved, it will have to come from outside of themselves. It will have to come from a power greater than what they possess. And Jonah is not the only place where we are shown that in the Bible. In fact, this is one of the main themes of the Scriptures Man's inability to save himself. Just think of other places in the Bible where you see this illustrated. Last week I brought us to Exodus chapter 2 with the people of Israel enslaved and oppressed by Pharaoh in Egypt, groaning, crying out for rescue. And the Lord then brought upon Egypt 10 terrifying judgments that brought Egypt to its knees And then later in the story, uh, God's people were led out of Egypt by Moses, but were then trapped between the shore of the Red Sea and the great and powerful army of Egyptian chariots chasing after them. They believed all hope was lost at that moment. But the Lord saved them by making a way through the Red Sea on dry ground and then destroyed their enemies by having the sea crash back down upon them, just completely wiping them out. The Lord showed his people that he is to be feared and that he is their savior. And over and over again in in, in the scriptures, we're shown examples of our utter inability to save ourselves and our great need to completely depend upon the saving power of God. But there is one big thing in common in all those stories that we, we often miss in the Bible, and that is how, how scary those experiences had to be for God's people to go through. How fearful they had to have been while being oppressed and forced into slavery. And then seeing God's ten judgments falling on the Egyptians, hail, darkness, many others, and course the last one the firstborn sons being struck down they had in that day to fear the lord by obeying his command to wipe the blood of a lamb on their doorposts so that the lord's angel would see that and pass over their households and not kill their sons how fearful they must have been while at the red sea with the angry army of Pharaoh barreling down on them, or while standing before God on Mount Sinai while He declared the Ten Commandments to them, with thunder crashes and bolts of lightning, with smoke and fire all around on that mountain. God's people had to first learn to fear the Lord before they could know and experience the Lord's salvation. They had to realize God's almighty power and authority over all things even their lives. When God shows us our utter inability to save ourselves, it is a frightening experience. And yet, as the Bible teaches us, it is also a very necessary one. And that's what we see here happening in Jonah chapter 1. God is mercifully showing Jonah and these sailors their utter inability to save themselves. He is unleashing his almighty power upon them, and they are afraid. They are exceedingly afraid. And we are to know as we, as we read this that it was God's intention for them to be, to be put in this position. That it was for their good. They would never realize their great need for God to save them unless they first came to fear him and the situation they were in under his wrath. You or I would never seek the Lord's mercy unless we were first convinced that God is holy and just, and holds us accountable for our sin and unbelief. As Proverbs teaches us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We would never understand our need for salvation if we didn't first come to fear the Lord. So our main theme then from this section is the fear of the Lord is the first step towards salvation. The fear of the Lord is the first step towards salvation, As we come to our place in Jonah this week, we are in the middle of a great storm at sea. Uh, As it says, the sea is tempestuous. It's growing more and more tempestuous. It is wild. It is fierce. And we know from verse 4 that this wild, violent storm is from the Lord. Look back at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah. This is the name of God. The Lord had called the prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh to call out against that wicked city there, but Jonah disobeys the Lord and, and, and runs away from him, taking the first boat he could find, heading for Tarshish in the opposite direction of Nineveh and now Jonah and those with him are are on that boat. They're in the middle of this terrible storm that the Lord had hurled upon them. Although Jonah was sleeping soundly and has to be awakened by the captain of the ship in order to join the others in, in calling out to their various gods for help. He's calling Jonah to call out to his god. For help. Maybe his God will help them. The other gods weren't doing much to help them. Maybe his God can do something. And that's where we pick up this story. Then we're going to focus on, on three main things that, we, that we, we see here as we finish chapter one of this great narrative. Uh, the first is the fear of the Lord, verses 7 through 11. The second thing we see is a willing sacrifice, verses 12 through 16. And finally, an unexpected mercy there in verse 17. So first, The fear of the Lord from the first paragraph 7 through 11. Now the theme of fear runs through this passage. Uh, We see that fear is a primary motivator for the sailors' actions, for what they're doing. Uh, But there is a change in what or who these men fear that leads to transformation for them. It it begins back in verse 5 where we are told the mariners were afraid and each called out to his God. And then in verses 7 and 8, the men fear this, this evil that has come upon them. Or it could also be translated this disaster, this calamity that's come upon them. And so this is a, this is a general fear for their situation. You know, being at sea in the midst of this dangerous storm. Uh, they fear an awful death at sea or, or what may come after death for them. That's, that's the fear they have here. And then in verse 9, Jonah is described as one who feared the Lord, who feared Yahweh. I am a Hebrew, he says, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the immediate reaction from the sailors to Jonah's confession is one of shock and horror. I mean, look, at, look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, this is the same word here, exceedingly afraid. It's just emphasized uh, a little bit more in the Hebrew. It's literally, the men feared a great fear. They feared a great fear. They were exceedingly afraid. It's a good translation. Once they realized who Jonah was and what he was doing, Well, they now had an intense fear. It ratcheted up for them. Now their fear has matured from simply being afraid of the storm. And what the storm might do to them, now it is the Lord that they fear. Now they're even more afraid of what the Lord can do. For now they realize that it is the Lord who has sent the storm against them. This is a lot like uh, another great storm. Um, at sea that we read about in the scriptures. Uh, at the end of Mark chapter 4, Jesus and the other disciples are in a boat. They're sailing across the Sea of Galilee. And they come into a great windstorm in the middle of the sea. And the disciples feared for their lives while Jesus, like Jonah, was fast asleep. And they wake Jesus up. They say, don't you don't you?" Realize we're all going to die here? Don't you realize what's going on? Don't you care about us, Jesus? And it says Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the sea, saying, peace, be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm on the sea, just like that. Immediately after he gives the command, The wind and the sea obey. And then we're told that the disciples were filled with a great fear. Like the sailors who feared a great fear here. Now the disciples' fear had matured because they feared the almighty power and authority of Jesus more than they feared any storm. So that's like the man here with with, Jonah. Jonah. Now they know this isn't just some some general storm that they hope to survive. Now they realize what they're experiencing, what they're dealing with, this is personal. This is personal. They are up against the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. Now they realize they have made themselves the Lord's enemies for their helping Jonah run away from him. It's kind of like when uh, uh, junior high bullies spend the first few weeks of the school year picking on the new kid in their class, only to find out later that the kid's older brother is the new star linebacker on the football team. And this brother has now sent messages to each of those boys saying he would really like to have a little talk with them after school on Monday. When those boys began picking on the new kid, they had no idea who they were really dealing with. Unbeknownst to them, they had made enemies of the biggest and meanest kid in the school, so they immediately began to treat this new kid much differently. That's like the fear that these sailors were experiencing at this moment. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? They realized just who it was That was against them. Just who it was that they were dealing with here. It was the Lord. It was Yahweh. It was Jehovah, the living God, the creator of the ends of the earth. As it says in in Psalm 135, the Lord is great. Our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it, it, it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses, he it is who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast. In Isaiah 45, the Lord describes himself this way to his people. He says, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light And create darkness. I make well being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. These pagan sailors, who just a few minutes prior to this were crying out to their own gods, now have come to the fear of the Lord. For the first time in their lives, they were beginning to see the world rightly. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They recognized that they were in big trouble with God, that they were in great need of help because they had made themselves enemies of God because of their sin and their disobedience in serving other gods rather than Yahweh, the one true and living God who can do whatever he pleases in heaven and earth. So I wonder, is that what your understanding is of God? Is your understanding of God at least up to the level of these pagan sailors here in Jonah 1? Now, you, of course, are all here on Sunday morning. You're you're here in a worship service. You're, You're hearing God's word preached. And for most of you, this is your regular practice. Many of you have been going to church all of your life, you have been taught the Bible well. You, 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 you read it and study it for yourself. You know far more about God and his word than these pagan sailors did when they began to fear the Lord here. But, but if you don't really take God and his word seriously, if you basically ignore what it says, especially as it relates to your own life, if your life doesn't portray a devotion to the Lord, That other people notice if you don't live with this dependence upon God through prayer and thanksgiving if you if you don't intentionally think about and seek to do the Lord's will according to his word well then maybe your understanding is not quite up to the level of these pagan sailors yet maybe you don't truly fear the Lord And the fear of the Lord is the first step towards salvation. Next we see in verses 12 through 16 a willing sacrifice. A willing sacrifice. The men had cast lots and had determined that Jonah's rebellion against the Lord was the reason for why the Lord had hurled this great storm at them in the sea. Now for those of you who are not familiar, uh, casting lots was like a game of chance uh, used in these times as a way of determining uh, for, for, for pagans the will of the gods, uh, but for uh, God's people it was to, de- to determine the will of the Lord. Um, it's mentioned in the scriptures in, in various places. They would use uh, different ways to do this. One way uh, that they, they used was to put stones in a bag, uh, enough stones for everybody, um, and all the stones were dark-colored except for one, which was white-colored. Then each man would put his hand in the bag and draw out a stone. And uh, whoever drew out that one white stone, well, then that was the one that the lot fell to. That was, that was the one who was responsible. Uh, it would be kind of like our, our drawing straws um, in our time. But, but God's people believe that the Lord was in control of the result because, well, God is sovereign over all things. Proverbs sixteen thirty three says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord, is from Jehovah. And, and as it turned out here in Jonah, it did reveal who was responsible. It was Jonah. Uh, the storm was, was, was not getting any better here. It was growing more and more tempestuous, as, as it says. It was getting much worse. Something had to be done. They were desperate. So they asked Jonah, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? Jonah knows that the Lord is after him. He knows this is from the Lord. He knows it's, it's because of his disobedience and his attempt to run away from the Lord and his word. That's the reason why they're all in this dangerous situation. So he tells them that the only way for them to be saved is if they cast him off the boat and into the sea. Now remember who Jonah is here. He is the Lord's prophet. And the Lord's prophet, the one who speaks for the Lord, has just prescribed for these people the way of salvation for them. He says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. Jonah was saying that in order for the men to keep their lives, his own life would have to be lost. One man would have to die for the sake of the others. They could not save themselves, but the Lord would have have mercy on them and allow them to survive if Jonah were cast into the sea. Now, we're not told how Jonah came to this conclusion. We We are not told if he had received a word from the Lord, that this was required, or if Jonah just simply desired to die rather than to repent and submit to the Lord's will, you know, to go to Nineveh. If we were to try to get into Jonah's mind here and figure out his reason for why he said uh, what he said, the only, the only way um, that uh, uh, we would uh, be able to do that is, is just, you know, by pure speculation on, on our part. We, we, we don't really have a clear word um, in in the text here, and believe me, many writers have done that done that very thing. They've they've come up with many different theories um, as to what Jonah was really thinking here, why Jonah says what he says. Some, of course, consider him the selfless hero, uh, you know, putting the others' lives ahead of his own, while other people point the finger at him as someone who only cared about himself. And had just given up on life, so this is like an easy way for him to get out of the call of God on his life by being thrown into the sea. All we do know for sure is that the sailors looked to Jonah, the one who said he feared the Lord, and asked him for guidance on what should be done for salvation. Kind of like the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And Jonah told these sailors, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. So what did the sailors do? How did they respond to the word of the prophet? Well, verse 13, nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. These sailors uh, do not initially accept what Jonah told them must be done. They tried all the more to row their ship back to the dry land, but it was impossible for them. It seemed even as they began to do this that that, that the Lord was working directly against them, preventing them from accomplishing their goal. Maybe they did this because they they, they want to spare Jonah's life. Uh, Maybe they did it because they... They, they feared angering the Lord even more by laying hands on and being responsible for the death of his servant here. Either way, they'd been told by the Lord's prophet about how to be saved and they initially refused to follow that, preferring to save themselves their own way. And, and this is a great problem for humanity, right? I mean, this is what, what we do. We think we can do it ourselves. <coughs> Our initial reaction when offered help is to refuse it and believe that we we can handle this thing ourselves. How many times have you come alongside someone who's obviously struggling to carry something heavy or get a very difficult job done or or someone you know could really use your help in providing something for them in a difficult time and so you offer to help them. You you, you offer to, to do something for them And what is their initial response to that offer? Oh, oh no, oh, no, thank you. I can do it myself. And how many times has that been your response when someone's offered you help? So why is that? What is it about us that hates so much to be humble and willingly receive the help that's offered to us? Well, we are self-righteous creatures. We are self-righteous creatures. We depend upon our own resources, even though it has been shown over and over again that they are completely inadequate. We, 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 we trust in the things that we can do. We believe we are genuinely good people, that, that, that we couldn't be under God's condemnation. I mean, that, that couldn't be us. We we can list off the good things that we've done and the right way that we have lived. Like a successful businessman filling up a resume with all of his accomplishments and all of his accolades. We, We could do that. The Lord has revealed to us that the way of salvation is not in us, not in what we can do, not in what we can accomplish, but it is in trusting the one who laid down his life as a sacrifice for us the gospel says that if we are to be saved and made right with god that we must look for a righteousness outside of ourselves that is the only way to be saved is through the righteousness of christ on our behalf god the son came and lived for us he then died on the cross for us and was raised from the dead for us We must repent of trusting in our own righteousness. We must look to Christ and his work on our behalf. It is by faith alone in Christ alone that we are made right with God. And that is God's revealed will for our salvation, and yet we refuse to accept it. Just like these sailors here grabbing their oars and digging into that sea even deeper with them, trying to save themselves, but as it says, they could not. Can't be done. So then they finally humbled themselves, and for the first time in their lives, they prayed to the one true God. Verses 14 and 15. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. They finally trusted the word of the Lord's prophet. And Jonah willingly gave up his life so that the lives of these sailors would be spared the Lord's wrath. This, of course, points us to another prophet. Another prophet who who willingly laid down his life so that sinners like you and I could be spared the Lord's wrath. Jesus said in John 10, I lay down my life for the sheep, for my sheep. This Jesus, who on the cross threw himself into the storm of God's wrath against our sin so that we would be saved from ever having to face God's terrifying wrath on our own. He saved us by willingly laying down his life For us, have you trusted in Christ for your salvation? Have you looked to Him? Do you believe that He laid down His life for you and your sins? That is the way of salvation. Verse 16 shows us the effect that Jonah's sacrifice had on the sailors. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The sea had ceased its raging. They're no longer in trouble. It's no longer tempestuous. So what's what's going on? How are they responding to this? Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Their fear has now matured to reverent worship of the one true God. This is what it means To know and trust God. Look at this here. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. This is what it means to to, to know and trust God. You, You fear the Lord, and you worship the Lord, and you commit yourself to the Lord. Fear the Lord, you worship the Lord, and you commit yourself to the Lord and his ways. Is this something that you have done? Would this verse be an accurate description of your response to Christ's saving work for you? Do you fear the Lord? Do you worship the Lord? Have you committed yourself to the Lord? Finally, verse 17, unexpected mercy. Finally, we get to the the point of the story that all the kids love. Here it is. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What unexpected mercy. This is something that that no one was anticipating. I mean, how how could they anticipate this happening? Would anyone have have even been capable of imagining this happening in those circumstances? The, the, The sailors believed they were sending Jonah to his death. And so that's why they sought the Lord's pardon for casting him into the sea. If Jonah knew this was going to happen, surely he would have let the sailors know this before they began rowing again, you know, and then begged for God's mercy uh, uh, for for throwing him into the the sea, you know. Hey, guys, look, it's all right. No worries. God's going to save me by, get this, this big fish is going to come and swallow me and protect me from drowning. That's how he's going to do it. So go ahead, toss me in there, I'll be just fine. No, of course not. That's not at all what he thought. That's not what the sailors thought. No one expected this to happen. They all expected Jonah would drown, sink to the bottom of the sea, and be eaten by sea creatures. But instead, the Lord, out of his great mercy, saves him in a way that only the sovereign Lord could do at just the right time the Lord sent this fish to swallow Jonah in order to save him and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah's in the belly of the fish three days and three nights now what did he deserve what did Jonah deserve he had refused to obey the Lord's command he was in the midst of running away from the Lord's presence He wanted nothing to do with the Lord anymore. He was thinking only of himself by taking this trip to Tarshish, even sleeping while the lives of the men of the ship were in desperate trouble. And yet, the Lord saves him. He saves him. Definitely not in the most comfortable way, you know, mind you. In fact, this would have been uh, a terrifying experience for Jonah to live through but yet it was the Lord's salvation for him. He was incredibly merciful to Jonah here, just like he has been to you and me if you've come to know and trust in God's way of saving you through Christ Jesus. What we should all expect from the Lord is judgment, condemnation, and wrath for our sins, for that is what we deserve. We have all rebelled against him. He has given us his word. He has called us to obey. And we have all turned away from him and pursued our own way. But the Lord has not turned away from us. That's what we see here with Jonah. That's what you have seen in your life. He has appointed a Savior for us. He has designed a way for you to hear the good news of of salvation. And you have received many unexpected mercies in your life, the greatest of which is hearing and believing the gospel, which led you to fear the Lord and respond to the good news of faith and repentance. Unexpected mercy we have received from God. Horatius Bonar, the great pastor and and hymn writer from Scotland in the 1800s, wrote uh, this incredible hymn as a testimony for everyone who has come to fear the Lord and trust Him for our salvation. It goes like this. Not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. Not what my toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole. Not what I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Thy love to me, O God, not mine, O Lord, to thee, can rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. Thy grace alone, O God, to me can pardon speak. Thy power alone, O Son of God, can this sore bondage break. No other work save thine, no other blood will do. No strength save that which is divine can bear me safely through. Friends, we need to look away from ourselves. And we need to look to God and the salvation that he's provided for us in his Son, Jesus Christ, and receive in humility the salvation and grace that he offers us through Christ. Let's pray.